Hey y'all, this is Ryan Monso, and this is the Talking About Them Cougars podcast from GoCougs.com. I'm joined by Brad Towns, former U of H athlete, and we are part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Republic of Football podcast network and sponsored by Gus Injury Lawyers. I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. Cougar athletes have to trust their coaches and teammates, whether it's going for it on fourth down, nailing that three-point shot, or trusting your teammate to hit that walk-off home run. If you've been in an accident, big or small, do not go it alone. You can trust Gus to fight for your maximum recovery. Call 866-TRUST-GUS today. TrustGus.com. Principal Office, Houston, Texas. So let's talk about the future. Oh man, it's exciting. It's exciting. We get to we get to kind of look and we get to believe again. We get to have a little bit of hope. Um Oh, you don't know that yet. Well, right now we get to have a little bit of hope because nothing's right. happening. Yeah. I mean, nothing's nothing's outwardly happening. I mean, I don't think Major Applewhite could be hired again. I don't think. I'm hoping. Yeah. Everybody is putting out the same tired list of names. Well, because the, the same tired list of names is very obvious. Yeah. I mean, it, that's 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 all there is to it. I mean, you know, you've got regional guys. Every, every, pretty much every every list that I've seen has you know Texas ties to it. And I'm not one. Can who, we get rid of some real quick? Yeah, that'd be great. Tom Herman, he just lost to Rice. I, to put Rice bowl eligible, he's not happening. No, no that ship has sailed. Ryan, trademark. Do not trademark. do not short Dana on this. Dana made Rice bowl eligible. I'm going to do something I rarely do, Brad. That's a good point. Tom I does apologize. not. He does not get that. That's not. That's not for him. That's ours. You're right. He made. He got Rice the sixth win. He just sealed it. He just sealed yeah. it. We made them. It was the last. It was the last guy. That's not happening. No, and I didn't. I didn't. I am I am unabashedly one of the largest Tom Herman fans from his time here. I loved everything that he did here, even the stuff that people complain about now. I don't give a shit. Um, the minute he's gone, you can't hire him back. As much as you like to think about it, you can't hire him back because it's never the same again. It's never the same, and especially after this amount of time, especially after his experience at, at Texas, um, especially after anything that's happened after that. One, you're not getting the same person who has the same motivations, the same drive, and the same same motives and the same goal. Well, he has money now, and that changes people. Especially, I mean, no shit, Ryan, but it's completely changed him, um, just like it did Dana. Yeah, yeah. But the further you get away from it, the more you start thinking about, oh, well, you know, I remember the good old times. Just, just like a like an ex. You know, you think you run into your you run into your high school ex at the uh, high school reunion and think, oh, they don't right. they look okay, they look pretty good. Oh, I remember Terrible all the good times. Coming. I remember all the good times, but you forget about how crazy and dysfunctional this person was, and you learn that, well, you know, this person 
you learn a little bit later that this person's a freaking serial killer. Not speaking from I experience. I don't know if Tom Herman's a serial killer. But you know what I'm saying. All the all the bad stuff that, that you didn't like is still there. But the good stuff isn't isn't as good anymore because it's not it's not gonna be the same. Yeah. Okay, so we can say no to Tom Herman. Absolutely not. That ship is done. Cliff Kingsbury is an absolute no. 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 How many times? No. How many times does Cliff Kingsbury have to come out and say he hates college coaching? He didn't like college coaching at Texas Tech, and his results proved it. He didn't want anything to do with college football at all. He said it two years ago that he he hates college recruiting. He doesn't want to deal with that. How many steps in his career does he have to prove as a head coach that he is a failure before people will quit bringing his damn name up? I don't even want him as an offensive coordinator because he hates recruiting. Yeah. And that's <laughs> Any, a problem. Anybody that, that's on this staff going forward, they have to love recruiting. They have to love to get into the grind and they have to love the suck of this job because it's hard. And if they don't love it, they're not going to do everything that they can to power through it. So recruiting you're out to U of H is not like recruiting anywhere else. It's not like recruiting at Alabama. If you're a good recruiter at Alabama, that does not qualify you to be the head coach at U of H. It just doesn't. They're no. not the same thing. It's like selling, leads, Bu selling Bugattis and selling Kias. Okay, sure. But that leads to the next guy, who is Jeff Banks. He's a special teams coach at UT. He has some more colorful things on his resume, but he's a special teams coach at UT. I believe he's the tight ends coach too. He yeah. was a punter in college. He's near 50. He's never been a head coach in his life. He's never been a coordinator in his life. He's a tight ends and special teams coach. I am the special teams guy. I don't want a special teams coach. You cannot hire a special teams coach that has success recruiting at Alabama and Texas. It doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, I, I saw that name making the rounds. And I'm, uh, and first thing I thought to myself is, who the hell is this? Who the hell is Jeff Banks? Did, yeah. I, over, did I overlook someone? And so I pulled, up, I, pu I pulled up his name. And, of course, I had to go through different iterations of it. And I finally put Jeff Banks, football coach. And finally, the name comes up. And I look at his background. And I'm like, what? What? Why? And so I, this is a guy with an agent, the really good agent, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I look at, you know, I look at what he's done. Oh, he's been at Texas A&M. Great. Okay. Oh, he's Alabama. Oh, that's cool. Oh, great. He's at Texas. Oh, he was at UTEP for, I guess, during the Mike Price era. Okay. That's not terrible, but he's never been in charge of anything other than special teams. At some point in your career, when do you, when do you, when do you get the opportunity or when do you cause yourself to get the opportunity to be a coordinator? Mean to tell me from 2004 till now, nothing 20 years, by the way, nothing. Come on now. Great. He's probably a great recruiter at Alabama and Texas. Great. He was probably a great recruiter at Texas A&M. This ain't that. This ain't that. Who are the other bad ideas? Um, uh, I have seen on social media, the names Jimbo Fisher, which is laughable. <laughs> Hilarious. 
That's a no. Jimbo Fisher makes like $40,000 a day not to work. He ain't coming here. I mean, let's, just be, let's be real. Jimbo had unlimited money, unlimited, absolutely everything. unlimited facilities, access to everything a coach could ever dream. All, you know, all those things that Dana's complaining about, has been complaining about for a couple of years. The U of H doesn't have, and you know, the, the only recruiting he did was negative recruiting for U of H. Well, Jimbo had all those things. He had as much of that as anyone could ever imagine. He had the most rabid fan support in the country. Yeah. And he still couldn't do that at Texas A&M. And I'm not talking about he couldn't overcome Alabama and he couldn't overcome LSU. He couldn't overcome anybody. He couldn't even overcome Kevin Sumlin. Come on. Why is anybody mentioning that? Yeah. I mean, he's a big name. I get it. Okay. But that doesn't matter. You have to be smarter. Bring Bill Snyder here. Come on. Hey, I'm, I am 100% in favor of Bill Snyder. I'm going to be honest. That guy built a program. He may not have done it in a way you want to do today, but he did it. Yeah. So I think the three names that uh, I also saw uh, Mike Bloomgren from Rice as a candidate. <laughs> and um, that's not a thing. But it's funny. Come on now. It is funny, but that ain't happening. So three candidates that will probably have the most life to them are Jeff Trailer from UTSA. Yep. Gary Patterson, formerly of TCU. Yep. And Willie Fritz from Tulane. All very solid. I, if I, I mean, you could put them in an order. I would put Trailer third. I'd probably put Willie Fritz first, but I'd put Patterson right behind him. If Patterson has the want to. And that's something you have to find in an interview and talking to a guy and exploring and talking to other people. I can't, I can't figure that out, you know, from where we're sitting. Right. But U of H has to figure that out. It's vital. And if he has that want to and understands what he's getting into, this That's isn't it. TCU where you want to make improvements to your stadium and in 15 minutes you've raised $50 million. It's not that. Right. It's that other thing. And if he understands that, then okay. Jeff Trailer is a good coach. Very good. His teams get better. As the year goes on, you've seen him in the opener in the last two years, and Dana beat him. Dana wouldn't have beat him in week five. He wouldn't have beat him in week ten. Well, if he wouldn't, have, he would not have. He would not have beat UTSA this year if it wasn't for um, Frank Harris's being first game out of a wheelchair. Well, and looked like he had just gotten out of the wheelchair that morning. Right. That was not a pretty. I mean, if, you, if you play, if you play that game in October, you get. You get boat raced. I agree. And I, I, I just now, it worked out. He, he, his teams do get better. Do they get better because of who they're playing? Or I don't know. It's not a yeah. knock. Not a knock. I mean, because yeah, he's, he's recruiting the same level as those guys. I'm impressed that he was able to step up a little bit more in competition from CUSA to uh, to the American. I mean, we know the American. We've, we've been there. Um, he did a really good job this year. And did a really good job without a great Frank Harris because Frank was down. He was just out of the wheelchair against us, and I think he missed a few weeks later on in the season too. Um, but he held it together and did a you know he did a good job. I've got nothing bad to say about Trader. My only my only question, my only concern comes back to 
Frank Harris, and he's been a trailer's been a one quarterback coach. Um, and the only re- the only reason why I have that question, and maybe it's just being snake bit and seeing a lot of seeing a lot of really successful G five coaches take a step up, and they did it off the back of one quarterback, mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater, Greg Ward. Oh, oh, yeah. For those that don't remember, that's Charlie Strong and Tom Herman. Um, but you you see that you see that so often because well, Kevin because Sumlin did the same thing. Well, Kevin Sumlin with Case Keenum, yeah, and then got the A and M job and walked into a situation. He walked into Johnny Manziel. Yeah, but he also <laughs> had a, a a hungry offensive coordinator, right. and and then you saw Sumlin's career after that, which wasn't terrible. I mean. No, it but not turned out to be turned out to be better for. better than Jeff Fisher. Yeah, but Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher. Sorry, I'm, I'm I've got conflating Jed Fish. I'm mm. sitting here reading Jeff Trailer and looking at anyway. Um, yeah, that's the only question I have is maybe it's just being too cautious. I don't know, um, but that's a that's a legitimate question that I have. Um, but you know, there's there's a number of other ones out there that I would be more than interested to look at too. Who? Jamie Chadwell. I like Jamie Chadwell. I, like I have him. assumed that he was going to a like a Big Ten SEC type school. I really thought he was going to go to Mississippi State. And it doesn't sound like that's happening. If Chadwell had interest, you stop everything you're doing and you go talk to him. Right. Um I like if, I like Jamie Chadwell a lot. I mean, I I really I really admired his Coastal Carolina teams, and yeah. you know he's doing he's doing it again against at Liberty, and you know you can say that oh he's just picked up from from what Hugh Freeze did, but he's done better than Hugh Freeze. Yeah, he's he's elevated it above what Freeze did. Yeah, and that that says a lot to me. Yeah. And plus, and it I, wasn't I, his first job. Not his first job, and he's and he built it. He built yeah. Coastal. Yeah. Um, and but there's there's uh, he's he's a guy that I really 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 like. If I could if I could have my choice, I would pick him. But the concern comes, I guess, being in Texas. The concern comes. Well, he's he hasn't been he hasn't recruited Texas personally. I don't think that freaking matters, but. You know that five years ago, I'd have told you that was really important, but I yeah. don't know if it is. I think. Well, I mean, we have the choice that if you're just going to put this all together from the the portal, what's that even? Why does that matter? And I just, I just don't think it's as important as I once did. Um. Well, probably because we've hired guys with Texas ties. That's well, there is done that. a giant pile of jack squat. Yeah, um, I guess that's a pretty good reason. The the other head coaches that, I mean, it won't happen and probably shouldn't happen. But I just like Rhett Lashley at SMU. But but for everybody listening, for all seven of you, um, there are not seven people listening to this. (laughs) I like Rhett Lashley because I've liked him since basically he was a little kid carrying Gus Malzahn's clipboard. Um, I liked him at uh, I liked him at Auburn, and you know I'd, I'd always had my eye on him. Um, he's had some not so great stints, but I can't really argue with what he's done in the last two years at uh, SMU. He sure put a whooping on us last year. I don't think it's going to happen. Good things. 
No, he, it's not. They, they have so much money invested right now. It would, that you know, he's he, going to write on check. And it, he might, he might not even be the right fit here anyhow, regardless. Yeah. But I mean, he's a quality, he's a quality candidate that I would like us to talk to. Um, my two off the wall ones, outside of outside of the, I don't know. I like, I like what Kurt Signetti's done at James Madison. I like what John Sumrall's done at Troy. Um, but I'm kind of interested in, you know, what's going on with Barry Odom and Rich Rodriguez. Now, Rich Rod intrigues me. Barry Odom does not. I, I just don't think you can pull the trigger after one year in a really, really bad league. Yeah, but he also took over one of the worst jobs or one of the worst programs in all of 100%. college football. 100%. I think they've had, what, three winning records in their entire history? Yeah, but... You just, I, I can't do I that. Just, I, I just, I, I, for some trigger. reason, I like the guy. I, I know he, he came into a tough situation at Missouri, taking over. Wouldn't he right after Pinkle? Didn't he take over for Pinkle? Yeah, I think they hired him and then hired Mac Rhodes the day after or something like that. It was and a bad they, situation. Uh, it, it was or maybe just, Mac hired him. He probably, he came in, he came in under the probably the worst circumstances because then weren't they hammered with NCAA penalties at the exact same time. And then he got caught up in all the stuff that was going on at Missouri and just a whole bunch of just stuff that's outside of his control. Um, And he didn't, he didn't do too bad, but he was a big step down from Gary Pinkle. And I don't know, probably, probably too quick to pull the trigger. I just, I don't know, for some reason kind of liked the guy. But Rich Rod, he's he's kind of fascinating to me. I mean, come on. Rich Rod has had a year. And he has done something with Jack State. You just had, I mean he's had two good years at Jack State. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh they have been, I believe, nine and two and eight and four. Yeah. And here's he went to five or six bowls at Arizona. Like he got fired at Michigan. He goes to Arizona and does okay. And then they hired Kevin Sumlin, and the whole thing goes to hell. And right. now they seem to have it back. But he was not a head coach for five years, I believe. He, I mean, I think wasn't he, he, went, wasn't he uh, OC at Ole Miss one year? Ole Miss, and then at Louisiana Monroe under Terry Bowden. Yeah, and got Jack State, and good for him. Uh, he's a West Virginia guy. You'd be hiring another West Virginia guy. Well, Dana's not a West Virginia guy. Well, he what? I mean, he is. Well, I mean, he, he's not from there, but he's he is. <laughs> Rich Rod's a West Virginia guy, but he yeah. was he was the maybe maybe it's just remembering those old beast of the East teams that he had at those Thursday night games. Yeah, I think they played fifteen games a year on Thursdays. He's, he's um he's an interesting guy. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Probably, I mean, there's a there's a million red flags with him. Yeah. A million. But there's red flags with every guy that you're going to. Uh, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. You're going to have here. There is some concern somewhere. You just have to make sure you're not ignoring the obvious problem. Well, and you've done that for a couple hires in a row in three of the last four. Right. Right. When the thing is, is that I really think that our scope was so narrow back then. I think that that, I think that in and of itself is a problem. Um, and the reason why I'm putting all these names out here, I mean, we can, we can talk about coordinators. We didn't even talk about GJ Kinney or Tyson Helton. 
don't want Tyson Helton. I just wanted to say his name. I was hoping to hear your head explode. I think but, I mean, Tyson's done a great job. I think he's done. I'll really be honest good. with you. I think he's done a really good job at Western Kentucky. But we, you know, if you want to get into coordinators, you're looking at Garrett Riley at Clemson. Looking at Kendall Browse. I don't think it'll happen, but I always like Kendall. No, it's not happening. Um, I, the, the the name that the young name that pops up quite a bit right now is Will Stein at Oregon. No, thank you. Um, I think it's I think it's too early. I mean, if it's too early, if it's too early for me to get on the GJ Kenny bandwagon, it's too early for me to get on the Will Stein bandwagon. Bing. Um, Brian Hartline at Ohio State. Any takers there? I don't know enough about him. Not a whole lot. What about uh, Glenn Schumann, Georgia DC? Basically, Kirby's right hand man. He's got Alabama, Alabama pedigree, and and uh, more, more. The more the only the reason why I like him. Obviously, they've done really well, but Kirby's kind of the architect. But he comes from Saban and Kirby. And okay, but here's the thought: when Tom Herman came here, there was no transfer portal window opening in eight days. Right. There was no early signing period. So he could go and go to the playoffs with Ohio State, and it wasn't a big problem. Right. You can't be gone till the middle of January doing something else. You just can't. Correct. And I think it takes all those guys kind of off the board. I just, I don't think you can, you, you can sit around waiting when, and I said this, earlier today on pod slam pajama or whatever that you, you don't make the decision because Monday is when the portal opens, you don't make the decision because of that, no. make the right decision. And if waiting around for six weeks is the right decision, well then you're screwed. You just can't do Well, that. no, you're not going to wait. You're going to, you're not going to wait six weeks to make the decision. You're going to make the well, hire. You're not going to wait six weeks for anybody. You but just going to make the, You're going to make the hire. As soon as you got it locked in, right. and then which is fine. Then they make their decision whether whether they or part of the negotiation is is that okay when are you ready to leave? If well, I think if, that's way before you offer the job. Well, if you identify that as a per, as a person you want to go to, and you've got you know your list whittled down to you know a few, then you start talking start dates, and if somebody's start date doesn't fit, then you know we might have to that's go to the, the end of that. Yeah, that's the end of that. You can't wait six. You can't tell your fan base next year doesn't matter, even though next year is going to be bad either way. Right. You well, just I mean, can't write it off to start. Well, you can't tell the fan base that next year doesn't matter after you told them already that this year doesn't matter. Well, there is that. <laughs> well, maybe you can. Maybe you can. It worked. It worked for this year. But um, what about Mike Denbrock at LSU? No, thank you. You know more about them. You know more about the LSU program than I do. All I know is I've thoroughly enjoyed w- watching their offense this year. Well, when you have a what you would consider a once in a generation talent, although you know he's been at plenty of places, you, you just can't you can't say that because of that he's the guy. He has been with Brian Kelly for forever and was with Luke Fickle for a while, right? And I mean, I just remember, I, I remember him from the, I remember him from Cincinnati and I remember yeah. him here and I know he's done. What do you mean here? I mean, here at, at, uh, in the region at LSU. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, a, he, he's obviously got something going, right. but I just don't know if 
this is the spot. Well, I mean, you know, come on. Golden could be our neighbors. We don't, need an, we don't need an we don't need an offensive line, dude. We're playing seven on seven in shells next year. I think that could be kind of fun. <laughs> the coordinator, and I posted this earlier in the week, the coordinator that that has me really interested is Ryan Grubb at Washington. Oh, thank you. I know, I know, I know. But I mean, he's got a he's got a good, really good background, and you know, dude was a pig farmer, so he's got to be hardcore. But he I bring all these million dollars a year. Do what? He makes two million dollars a year. Yeah. Do you know that? That's a mm-hmm. lot of money. Tyson Helton makes about nine hundred thousand. Tyson <laughs> Helton has been a head coach for like five or six years. Well, I mean, he's been he's got one of those he's got one of those interesting backgrounds from a coordinator perspective that. He's been at a number of small schools. Then he latched, he, he hit, he connected with um, DeBoer or however you say his name. Um, and he's, he's had success everywhere he's been. And he's been able to do that at Washington. And the most interesting thing I found what he's done at Washington is he's turned a guy that was a decent quarterback in, in uh, what's his name? Phoenix. Phoenix. Um, Turn him in from a solid quarterback into a really, really good quarterback. And not only that, it's the kind of quarterback in a kind of system that I hope U of H can gravitate to just because mobile, accurate passers who are a threat to run when things break down, or you can even use them in the run game to run some RPO looks, run some wide open spread looks. I mean, just to be multiple and be a threat everywhere on the field. Seems you to know, be a- yesterday, watching John Rees Plumley and how he's progressed since he was at Ole Miss. That's not the same kid, man. I mean, he is fun to watch. That's not the same and dude. He has a burst on his first step that you haven't had with Clayton Toon or Donovan Smith. I'm not going to say, may- say that those guys couldn't do it because they weren't coached to do it. But I think Plumlee's different in his physical abilities that he well, that's just all a better talking runner. about. Yeah. I just like the way he takes that first step and he's through the hole. And I, oh, I really yeah, liked he, watching he him. Looked, he looked really put together. Yeah. Not the guy, well, not the guy that playing, I remember. Not even the guy that I remember from last year. Yeah. Playing this defense does help. It really it helps. It really, uh, really helps. It's probably, I, probably, I really pretty good. Probably why a lot of guys thought that, hey, our offense is going to be good because they've been practicing against this defense. Yeah, I think but people I, lose sight of that. I throw out all those names because I really hope that this time U of H does in depth due diligence and talks to a lot of people because. If you do have, let's just say that your three favorites are, it's just say it's going to come down to our three favorites that we mentioned off the bat. Mm-hmm. If you talk to everybody possible, it just makes those guys look better if they're the right choice. Or worse. Yeah. It solidifies in your mind who is the right guy. And it's not always talking to that guy. It's talking to everybody else. Right. And right. I appreciate that. And I hope they go completely radio silent, that we don't know what's going on. Yes. They respect the guys that are still playing in conference title games. They respect everything that's happening. But they go around the country and they meet with people. And you 
you don't focus on okay, major app or major Apple White's our guy, or Dana Holgerson is especially they didn't look at anybody else, right? It was one guy. Right. With major, you at least made cursory interviews with Les Miles and with uh Lane Kiffin. Right. And you chose wrong. Oh, did you? I think Lane Kiffin's proved that beyond a Has shadow he, of a doubt. Are you sure? I don't know. Something when went in ten games a year twice at Ole Miss seems kind of good. Maybe better sorta. than being the South Alabama offensive coordinator. Okay, I guess that's what you like. But I think I think going into that, I, I really I really think that this um, whoever is involved in the hiring decision, it's probably going to be a committee. They need to really sit down with each other and come up and define the criteria that they're looking for. And it can't be because, oh, well, because, co- because Apple white has, um, you know, great ties with the Texas high school coaches association. And um, he's going to continue the, uh, the Houston takeover or whatever. Um, he's going to carry over the culture or Dana is going to, come and bring the the air raid back home where it belongs um or whatever reason we hired levine for because the players liked him brains behind the operation he was brains behind the operation that's right um you've got to you've got to be able to define exactly exactly what you are today and where Mm -hmm. you want to be in the next five to ten years you have to have you have to have that clear understanding of exactly that, and then you have to understand and and at least know for yourself within the group that's making the decision. You have to understand what characteristics you're looking for within this coordinate or within this um within this head coaching hire, and then you go out and talk to people, and then you're sitting down in these interviews, and everybody's gonna everybody's gonna tell. It's natural for them to tell you what they think you want to hear, but you've got to be able to dig through that and find out who they really are. Mm -hmm. What are they going to do on a day-to-day basis? Hmm. How are they going to come up? It's not, it's not like we're going to keep doing things the way that we've been doing, or we're just going to, Hey, let's go win some games. Let's just show up and win some games. I mean, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be a direct plan of how you go about doing that and being able to, to, figure that out. I think you have to, I think you have to be open to a lot of different people, because if not, if you're only looking at two or three people, then you're going to see in them what you want to see, not what mm-hmm. they are. And I you think that's how we got to where we are. Go ahead. To surprise. Yeah. Be willing to be surprised. Be willing to say, well, that's not what I expected both ways, yeah. good or bad. And that's not what you've done. And this is going to define Chris Pesman's legacy and his mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. They have not pulled the trigger when they needed to. They have not made decisions in a timely manner. And Chris Pesman's record here, no matter how much you like him, former player, good guy, whatever, his entire legacy as an AD has to hinge on getting this hire right. Right. It's not about winning the press conference. It's not about what you do in 
the next month to showcase and showboat and whatever else. It's about your one, three, five-year plans. Frankly, it should be one to three years because with the portal and with NIL, and your NIL program is, I mean, who knows? Logan Holgerson was running that. Are you going to have him running it? No. So that all has to be reinvented. This guy coming in has to have a plan for that. Right. And he has to have a long-term plan, not, okay, we need to get some money to throw at the quarterback, or we need to get some money to throw at this. That's not the plan. That's, that's patching holes. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm talking about, I, I want to hear somebody, I want to hear somebody tell me um, about what they're going to require on a day-to-day basis and what they're going to demand of themselves and of their players on a day-to-day basis. I'm talking about infinite details. You want to get into talking travel schedules, training program, um, rest schedules, recuperation schedules, um, offense, defense, any of those things, any anything like that. We want to get to the nuts and bolts of what you're going to do, not the broad strokes of what the Let's results go are going to be. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't want to hear you tell me about how the results are are going to appear. I want to, or that. I don't want to hear you tell me about that. The results are going to appear. I want you to tell me how you're going to do it, and hopefully, I learn some things that I might not have thought about, mm-hmm. or I might not have placed a lot of value. But then you showed me. That okay, well, that's that's what you think that that it takes to be successful. I'm okay now. I'm interested. Yeah, and anybody that comes in and doesn't understand what you are, I mean, you've got to educate them. Look, we don't have all that. We don't have that money. We don't have this. Or you know, y- you do the job, and we're going to get you this. You mm-hmm. show us what you can do, and we're going to put this money. You know. You're going to have a ton of money for staff. I think the staff was at $6.5 million last year. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And it's it's not competing with A&M and UT. It's just not. But you and don't have to compete with those people. Right. You don't have to compete with them. Right. You need to compete with Baylor and Texas Tech and teams like that. And you can do that. And you can do it at $6.5 million for your staff. The, the, the money part should not be an issue. There are issues. There are problems. And you've got to be honest with somebody who's coming in to take this job. Right. And if they're ready, if they can do this, cool. Let's well, do it. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. If a guy comes in and says, I need this, you know, I need to be making X amount and I need my coordinators to be making X amount. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be the right fit. That's something at the very end. Now, the thing is, is that I might be able to. If you come in and tell me, this is the coordinators I'm bringing. They need X dollars. And if I think those coordinators are worth it, that's fine. Well, it's not what I think the coordinators. I need you to tell me why those coordinators are key to your success. You need to sell me on, you need to sell me on why I should be paying that amount and why they're worth $2 million or a million five. I'm, I'm with that. I think that's, that's. That's wise because the money, the money, we don't have money until we need money. That's the, that's the, that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. Now, if you can, if you can sell me, I mean, Kelvin doesn't have access to the money that he would love to have, but he goes out and proves his worth and people are like, okay, yeah, let's do this. We'll find it. We don't have the money. We don't have the money to fire Dana and pay his buyout. But he gave us a real good reason why we should. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, I mean, with the proper motivation, the money can be found and we can reallocate funds for it. We can go out and get new donors for it. Um, it's not going to be easy, but then, you know, none of this is. But for the right coach, they're going to be able to sell you on and, and tell you their core values, their core beliefs, how they're going to get things done. And they're going to give you an honest assessment of what they want, what they need and why they need it. Then you determine whether that's feasible or even worth it. Maybe it's, maybe it's something completely off the wall that nah, we're not gonna do that. Yeah. You just have to get it right. And you gotta be willing to look at ideas that did not come to you early on. You can't just lock in on one guy. If somebody tells you that X is the front runner today, Sunday, Monday, don't believe them. Don't believe anybody that tells you that, oh, well, here's the, no. Well, There's I mean, they, they, they very well, they very well could be, but I don't, I mean, I don't want it to stop at the front runners. I want, I don't want the process to stop there. I, I want the I process agree. to be in depth and you know, for sure, not that you have a core belief that you've been told and sold and you're on the exact same page with the person that you're hiring that, okay, this is the, this is the right person. If you think back to when, um, when we hired Tom Herman, different era, different, different landscape, complete, completely different, mm -hmm. not even the same game really, but he wasn't one of the front runners. Nobody know, nobody knew about him for a couple of weeks. When his name first came up, it was like, who? Oh, let's go, let's go look at him. Oh, he's the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Oh, well, he was, he was a, he was the OC at, at, at pretty decent Iowa State program. Oh, he had rice ties too. Oh yeah. Okay. He was, he was the offensive coordinator then. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't a guy that was right up front, but it's a guy who materialized over time by talking to people. I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, who you have on your team matters. You can trust Gus to get you the best possible results for your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS. Who would you put up front right now? Having not known any of this information, here's my very informed opinion. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm taking those front three guys. Mm -hmm. Jeff Trailer, Gary Patterson, and Willie Fritz. And I'm figuring out who is just the best fit for U of H right now. Because Trailer and Willie Fritz... All right, hang on. We're going to edit this part. Edit, 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 edit. So here's my thought right now. Jeff Trailer and Willie Fritz are both semi-dealing with issues in their own program. Trailer's program is broke. I don't have any money. Their students just said no thank you to a fee to help fund athletics. Right. An increase. Yeah. And they said, he said, nah. And it was, you know, you can't feel great about that. Right. And maybe he needs to get out before Frank Harris leaves. I don't know. Willie Fritz at Tulane has stuck his toe in the water a few times at Georgia mm -hmm. Tech last year. I thought he was gone to Georgia Tech. Yeah. and. They just lost their AD to Washington, I believe. And so they were going about hiring a new AD. And Willie Fritz had a, a favored candidate, a guy that he thought, this is a guy in the department everybody likes, everybody wants him, hire this guy. And they said, nah. And they went with, I believe, a guy from Northern Iowa. So is he upset? Is he wanting to leave? Is he wanting out? Does he think that 
we've won 10 games twice in a row that hasn't happened at Tulane since we're in the SEC, since Tulane Stadium was new. (laughs) And that's been going my entire life. True. And then, well, what if Willie Fritz says, I can bring Michael Pratt and we can have a real quarterback competition? Okay. I mean, I'm I'm not, I'm not buying because of that reason. Right. But it's like getting some nice floor mats in your car or, you know, it's not terrible. A sunroof or leather. All right. That's an add on. I -hmm. like that. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest things this program needs. Obviously, offensive line is a huge problem right now and you got to go get some. But competition at the quarterback spot is huge. There hasn't been any. Done. In, I mean, since Major had three guys platooning in 2017, Kyle mm-hmm. Allen and I don't even remember the first guy, and Derek King. Was it Postma? Yeah, it must have been. Sorry, Kyle. Just forgot. So there's been no competition. People have just been awarded the job. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go out and, and create competition. Right. And you're going to have opportunities in the portal, and you're going to have opportunities in uh, the spring portal. I don't know. Didn't didn't Pratt have to beat out the uh, the LSU transfer? Uh, there was an LSU transfer at one point. I don't remember who it was, but I do remember um, initials or something. Transfers to Lane. The problem is everybody in the whole country is basically a former A and M quarterback right now. <laughs> I see them everywhere, right? Well, I mean, if everybody's a, a former A and M quarterback, then that might work well for for Gary Patterson because you know he did pretty good with Kenny Trill. Uh, Justin McMillan is that who it was? I think it was. Maybe I don't know. I just remember him being a uh, being a true he freshman. He transferred in twenty eighteen. Wasn't wasn't he, he lost? He lost the job to Joe Burrow in 2018. Right. And, uh, yeah. And now Max Johnson's leaving A&M. Haynes King was playing, I think, at Georgia Tech yesterday. Hold on. Uh, Max Johnson's leaving A&M now? Yeah. He's transferring as a grad transfer. Oh, okay. That'd be interesting. No. No, it wouldn't. You don't think so? I mean, if you need another practice body, um, sure. Well, I, I think I don't know. Every, everything I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to wash the stench of the last five years off. So my thinking's a little a discombobulated. Little um, I'm sitting here thinking, well, he he wouldn't even give be given a shot. It's like, oh, hold on, that guy's not in charge anymore. Um, Accurate. I, you know, I would be up for whoever the next coach. I'm going to give them as much leeway as I gave Dan in year one. Whenever he brought in all of his guys that. Most of them didn't see the field. Yeah. Um, so you like, who Who were you going with at least to, here on day one or day zero? I'm not going with anybody. I want somebody who knows how to build a program, who has built a program. That is my requirement. I don't want a coordinator. I want somebody okay. that can show, look, I have done this and this and this, and it's worked. Mm-hmm. And somebody that is not like... Dana and Jimbo prove to you that they're stuck in the mud, that they're going to just stick with what works for them, and it doesn't matter. And yesterday, we should have seen this coming. Dana started doing a quick pitch in the first quarter, and I was like, holy crap, what is that? That is awesome. That is so <laughs> 15 years ago, but it's a wrinkle that we've never seen from him. Yeah. And the point was to get the ball to the outside, which we've never seen to him from him. 
No, we like it. We like to go up the middle. And I should have known he was gone then. Should have been like, oh yeah, that's that's getting fired. Well, <laughs> he's running to the outside. That's getting fired. It's crazy. We used to have so much success smart with, that with his first time around here. We, I don't think it's. We didn't get Dana Holgerson the second time. We get somebody else. Yeah, it had to have been. It, yeah, I don't know. But my my desire is a guy that has done it. Right. Because you are your best three players, four players maybe, that you had this year were recruit Applewhite. Now, Yikes. everybody in the program is a Dana Holgerson recruit. Who can come in and build something out of that? Obviously, you're going to the portal. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're going to have to take some guys you wouldn't normally take. Mm-hmm. Because you have so much to build. Right. And I hope every guy that's in the program right now gets an opportunity. Yes. Let's see it. Well, but that's the- you have to you have to understand the goal is to recruit over you at all times. And, and it's your job it, to beat that guy. That's the way it should be every every everywhere. year. But it, it hasn't been. No. And I want to go into spring ball and I want to go into a fall ball where no job is guaranteed. No. And you, your position coaches are thinking these are going to be my guys, but I'm willing to see who's better. When you told us that you had no issues with the receiving core and said you're not losing any sleep and there's no problem there, and then you have a walk-on freshman catching touchdowns in, in week four, that's a huge problem. Or week five. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Matthew Golden is a great player. He did not have a good year. He missed the last few games with an injury. He had drops early in the year. He did have two kickoff returns, mm-hmm. but he didn't have a great year. Joseph no. Banjack is exactly what you expect. He's consistent. He's a third down guy. He's a possession receiver. Sam Brown started out pretty well, faded as the offense faded. Mm-hmm. And you like what you've seen when Stefan Johnson gets the ball. You like what you've seen the one time Jonah Wilson got it. Mm-hmm. I'm willing. I want to see him more. You got another guy that redshirted this year, big time, big time recruit in Harrison Pilot. Yeah. Harrison Pilot, uh Jerian Wallace. Yeah. They have a lot of expectations for him. Well, they Yeah, you get an you got another Those other guys. You got another running back that uh redshirted this year in Sanford that small guy but put up massive numbers in high school. Massive. Yeah. I really but, I mean wonder. at running back you got you got Sneed, you got Jenkins, and you got Sanford coming. I mean, you, I, I really think that you've got some skill positions that could be good. I think when a coach, when when a good coach comes in and they look at what they have, they're going to see they're going to see the obvious holes. I mean, everybody sees the obvious holes, but outside of that, they're going to see talent and they're going to wonder how on earth was this team so bad? Well, I've wondered it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't. I can't really say I have a favorite. Um, I've got questions about every one of them, but you know, if it came down to any of those, any of those top three that you mentioned in Patterson, Fritz, Trailer, um, I think they're all going to be quality. Um, would love to see as long as the motivation's right. Well, and that's that's part of the due diligence. I mean, you've got to be able to you got to be able to figure that out. You, you got to be able to really get your you got to really, really dig into that. I mean, Gary Patterson's extremely interesting. You know, is he, um, is there something there? 
has he regained something that he might have lost at the end of his tenure? He was at TCU forever, dude. Yeah, 20 years. I mean, I've always had the theory that coaches at schools, whether it be basketball, baseball, or football, you're good for – your shelf life's about 10 years. If you're doing really, If you're doing really, really well. At some point in there, a little bit of complacency – sets in because the machine is running your way and every and if if you're at a place 10 years you're obviously doing something right at most places um at least the ones that we would be looking at but the guys guys who have been there that long eventually the machine gets running and it's real easy to kind of step away and let the machine run and all of a sudden you're not doing the same things on a daily basis that made you what you were and made that machine run the way it did Maybe he hit that. Maybe he hit that wall at TCU. I don't know, but that's yeah. that's part of the deal. Willie Fritz is very very interesting. Um, the guy just wins, and he wins doing different things. But the one thing that's consistent is he's taking quote unquote lesser players and doing more with them. That's, and yeah. that that really interests me. I wasn't I wasn't. Um, a big proponent of it, you know, years ago, back before, when we hired Levine, when he was at Sam Houston, yeah. it's like, uh, but then each time he's come up, he's done a little bit more. And I wasn't over the top about him at Tulane when you and I had been talking offline about this for the last few years. I mean, he, he's done well. You think, oh, seven wins at Tulane. That's, that's pretty dang good. But then all of a sudden he has a really, really, really good year last year at Tulane. Then he goes and beats mm-hmm. USC. Mm-hmm. Great game. And then he comes back and does the exact same thing this year. <laughs> He's gonna. I mean, he, they're the front runner for the New York New Year's Six game. That's weird. That's, that's incredible. I mean, that's you got to really talk to that guy because that's that's not just good. That's special. Yeah, and, and I doing think- it. I mean, that, and that's doing it at Tulane. No yeah. shame, no shame on Tulane, but it's oh, at Tulane. Plenty of shame, but yeah, Tulane. It's not a, it's not a, Tulane. it's not a uh, one-year Bowden take over the world type scenario. It's sustained growth. It's sustained, sustained, sustained success. Maybe it's because he just found the right quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you start recruiting, but they're and, not and just they're not just good at quarterback. That's that's the thing yeah. is that they play really good defense, and he's getting allegedly lesser talented players to play above perceived potential. Yeah. And I think that's where, I think that's where a coach. And I think, I think, I think trailers doing a similar job at, uh, at UTSA. I mean, all those guys, and this is, this was the characteristic of Gary Patterson going back to when they were just a wrecking ball. They were an unbelievable team when we were playing them back in CUSA and seeing them in, in the MWC whack days. They were unbelievable. Hang on. We're back to the whack? Gary Patterson. Oh, good Lord. I thought I'd gone back in time. Well, what I'm saying is that those are the characteristics that you see out of these three three coaches um, is that they're able to elevate the talent that they get. They're not sitting around saying, man, if I could just get better talent, if I can get these five stars. Uh-oh. You know, if I, hey, if I could, if I could just get a, if I could just see dirt moving on the, you know, a hundred million dollar yeah. facility, you know, everything's going to be great. If yeah. I could just get this, if I could just get that, if I could do this, I could do that. If y'all could give me more money, y'all could do this. 
No, they're just going out and they're just going out and doing it. And they're saying, okay, well, okay, what do I have to work with? Okay, great. I'm going to go out and do that. I'm going to build off of that. So, I mean, it, pick one of those three. Great. If there's somebody else that pops up, anybody that we mention, anybody that we don't even know of, Hey, I'm willing to listen, but I mean, if they're going to be better than those three, they should be pretty good. What was the Tom Herman quote? This is not a seven and five, five culture, Kyle. (laughs) You remember that? Yep. He was right. But the problem is it's been a seven and five culture, Kyle. Yes. He said, you're fucking right. It's not, this is not a seven and five culture, Kyle. And he said it to a guy named John Solomon, which was funnier, but yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You've had a, a seven and five culture, a culture where good enough is good enough. And you can't do that anymore. You saw no. how empty that stadium has been. And you, I mean, you're in the big 12. You didn't sell out the opener. You didn't sell out the first big 12 game against TCU. You, you came close. I don't think the stadium was really full for Texas, but you're really close. But most half of those were UT people. And then you saw the crowds in the last two home games. Embarrassing, pathetic trying to give tickets away to major corporations and you couldn't give them away. And this is who you are right now. And it has to change. And so whoever you bring in has to have a plan to do that. And, you know, I I am open-minded to virtually anybody. I don't think a coordinator is the right way to go, but maybe you can convince me. But I think you have three guys at the top of the list currently that could be fine. Pesman has to figure it out, and he has to sell Renew and Tillman on that vision. Yep, and we'll see if he can. Yeah, I mean one of my one of my favorite quotes coming out of Tom Herman. I don't every all all you five listening by now. I'm not advocating for Tom Herman, but the thing I loved about his mentality at the time is that he basically said that there's there's a price to pay for a championship, not financial. But there's a price to pay for the champion for a championship, and it's the mm-hmm. same price at Alabama. It's the same price at Ohio State. In that order to pay that price, you have to be willing to invest, not invest your money because you can't buy that, but invest right. invest from an emotional and a physical standpoint and a commitment standpoint. And said, "There's prices. There's prices for nine win seasons, for eight win seasons, for seven win seasons, for four win seasons. And you're get you're going to get what you're willing to pay. Again, not from a financial perspective, but from a commitment and talking to the players and talking. Financial to perspective coaches. is a is a thirty second transfer of money. Right. What you're talking about is years, and." This program has been all about that transfer of money. They have not been about putting that time and effort in. And let's see if they can change it. So we've gone through a lot of names. The thing you're not going to hear from us is who's the next guy? Because nobody knows. And we obviously have a list and there's certain people that we just know aren't going to be the guy. But there's a lot of intriguing names. And U of H should be open to different names and different ideas and finding the guy that is the right fit at the right time and getting the fan base enthused about this program. And you can go about that in a lot of ways. The number one thing, though, is getting it right. That's how you get the fan base enthused. You get it right. Certainly anything the next guy does is going to look like a step up from Dana because Dana had no interest in you or me. 
and not any in recruiting or coaching or development or coaching this shit. No Cougs all week. We're going to keep you informed. We're going basketball. We're going football. And volleyball is in the tournament. They're playing UC Santa Barbara in a tricky kind of 8-9 game, I think. I don't know about that one. It's in Palo Alto. little tricky. Friday night. Uh, right around the same time, I think uh, U of H basketball is going to play. Interesting. Thanks so much for listening. Dr. Couture, take us away. Yahoo! I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. As you know, a great quarterback wins championships. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, you can trust Gus to quarterback your case. Call 866-TRUST-GUS today. Principal Office, Houston, Texas.